a series called Get Real, and it's a study through the book of James. And what we're going to look at tonight is really kind of, I, I think, like the linchpin uh, section of scripture for the book of James. It's really at the heart um, of the letter. I think it's, it's the heart at the pastor, uh, James. We're going to see that. We're going to see that tonight. Uh, let, me, let me just pray for us real quick, and then, uh, and then we'll get right into our study together. Father God, we love you. We just thank you that you would allow us to, uh, to come together in a moment like this. And God, I thank you for the freedom that we have uh, to open your word and to discuss it together. God, I thank you for, um, God, just the incredible facilities we have. We're mindful, um, God, of places like Mexico. God, we're mindful of places like the Caribbean. Um, God, who right now are in the midst of natural disasters. And so, God, we just pray for your mercy and for your safety over them. God, we thank you for um, your church that is there, the faithful witness of Jesus Christ. And God, we just pray that you'd empower them to be, um, God, just incredible hands and feet even now, uh, God, at the moment of greatest need. God, for us tonight, we are praying for the movement and the freedom and the power of your spirit. God, I pray that just especially over me tonight, I pray that I would be controlled by your spirit. And God, I just pray that you'd speak to me, um, God, and then you would just speak through me. Um, God, and help us, uh, just as James has been saying all along and as he really nails down tonight, God, help us not to just be hearers, um, God, but, but make us people who, who actually do um, what you've said for us to do. Um, Jesus, I pray that ten, tonight you are illuminated and made much of and more famous because of our time together. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. James chapter 1, and we're just going to look at three verses tonight. And I want to kind of briefly tell you kind of what, what it's going to look like um, for the next month when we come back into, we come back to the 710, we're going we're gonna to actually skip verses 26 and 27, uh, and that's, um, that's intentional. I'm, I'm leaving on Friday um, with another guy from Redemption Gilbert to go to Ethiopia, and we've got partners that are there, and we're going to go and see them and visit them and, and kind of chronicle their work and do some storytelling stuff there. And so I wanted to save that time um, of 26 and 27 where James essentially says, look, this is what pure and undefiled religion is. Is to is to is to, um, to love orphans, to love the least of these, to love the outsider, to love the outcast, um, and I I wanted to kind of save that for next month um, when I get back from Africa, um, but we'll work through the beginning and the middle part of chapter two um, for the first two Tuesdays, and then that third Tuesday of the month uh, is when we'll get into twenty six and twenty seven. But tonight we're going to be in verse twenty two through twenty five uh, from the book of James, chapter one. Listen to what it says here. James, this is the word of the Lord. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. James says, point blank, do what it says. Because anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Now, this is what James is saying to the church, and I think it's such a great word for us tonight, too, is that most of us are educated far above our level of obedience. 
And I think for us that it's true that most of us have far more revelation, meaning there are far more things about the scriptures, about God's word and his intended way for us to live that have been revealed to us and not enough actual application. And, and I think we live in such an amazing time in the life of the church because we have access to books and sermons and teaching. And we have notebooks, a lot of you. And I, I'm looking at this room and a lot of you, you've, you've even grown up kind of in a church. You've got families that have, you've been going here. You, some of you would say, I feel like I've been here since I was, I was a kid. Um, and we've got, we've got notebooks that are full of things. But the, the issue is, is that we're not really doing anything with what we know. And, and what James is leaning into, and I think, again, I think it's really good for us. He's pressing into, he's like, look, it's not so much that the church needs another church service. In a 20-mile in a, in a radius of where we are right now, do you know how many churches there are? There are over 600 churches in a 20-mile radius of where we are right now. So to say that there's a saturation, I think, is a complete understatement. And the foundation of revelation without application leads to frustration. So when something's revealed to you and you can't do anything about it, that leads to frustration. And that principle holds true outside of what we're talking about in this spiritual sense. In your own life, if there's something that you know and there's something that you need to do with that information, but you can't do anything about it, that leads to frustration, And for us, it should lead to a type of spiritual frustration. It should make us uneasy. But I think what we do is we kind of take the other path. We're like, we get apathetic towards it. And we get kind of lazy towards it. The scripture says we get lukewarm towards it. And what James is saying, don't just listen to word, but do what it says. And our problem is not access to the word of God. Like I said, we can get access to sermons. We get access to great books. Our problem is an application, right? So if you study the global church, right, you know that them trying to get a Bible distributed in in many parts of the world is extremely dangerous. Some places they have to sneak just just verses of the scripture in, you know, like kind of drips into the culture, drips into society. I've got uh, two friends, Scott and Jenny, and about 10 years ago, they... Um, went into, into Papua New Guinea. They're with an organization called New Tribes Missions, and they went to a people called the Dow. And they have this amazing DVD that they made. They put it out a couple of years ago, but it's like full-on old-school missionary story. They get in a dugout canoe, and they roll up on these people who have, they've never seen white people before, never had anybody who'd ever speak English. And, and Scott and Jenny move into this village and and just set up camp and start to live with them. And they don't know, like, okay, are they going to kill us and eat us? I mean, is this gonna, how is this going to go? They've since had kids there. It's amazing. But so they started to teach them the scripture. But first they had to read, they had to learn their language. And the way that they would learn their language is they would hold up an item. So like, okay, like, let's say I hold up this item, right? And they would, they made, you know, friends there. And, and the guy, the Dow guy would say, a word, right? So I don't know what it is. Let's just say it's like, right? And so like, you don't know like, okay, does that mean cup? Does that mean coffee? Does that mean hold? Like, you don't know. So he'd write that down and you're like, okay, it could mean anything. So years and years and years and years of this. So they, they go like four or five years before they can translate just a little bit of scripture, 
And then it's another four or five years before they can get a whole book of the Bible done. And then I think it was another kind of two years after that that they, got, they actually got their first convert. So there are places in the world like that still where access to the, to the scriptures is an issue. But for us, it's not. Because last year in America, we bought half a million Bibles a week. Our issue is not access to the scriptures. Our, our issue is application of the scriptures in our life. Spiritual obesity is an epidemic in our society and among our generation. And this occurs when our biblical knowledge exceeds our obedience. When our biblical intake exceeds our exercising of the scriptures in our life. James says, look, you hear the word, you know the word, you understand the word, but you don't do what the word says. And look at the imagery that James is, is, is using here in verse, verse 23 and, and verse 24. He says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Now, I brought this mirror up here, which this is way more corny than I thought it was going to be. But I got this mirror up here in case you don't know what a mirror is. Um, And this is, James says, this is what the word of God is. But the way that we treat the word of God, we don't treat it like a mirror. We treat it like a kind of optical illusion. So how many of you... I might be the only person in the room who knows like what a magic eye is. Like, do you ever like remember like the magic eye thing? So I I actually found one. Um, so yeah, do you guys? I don't know if you guys remember these. So w- when I was like in high school, which is a long time ago, um, they used to have these books, and they're full of these things called magic eye. Now. If you stare at this, and, and Shannon, our friend Shannon, he was in here earlier, and he's like, you kind of have to make yourself cross-eyed, right, and like hold your breath and tilt your head, and you can see like there is an image that's in there, right? So if you stare at it, you're going to see this 3D image that kind of comes out, right? And I, now, I've got, a, I've got a theory on this. Like the, the people who are able to see the image that comes out of that are liars, um, so this was like, this was a huge deal. Again, like when I was in, when I, when I was in high school, I have astigmatism, so I can, I, I, it actually will not work for me. But, um, if you're, if you're blessed and highly favored, you will see there are like, there are 3D elephants that are supposed to be in there. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm serious. So there, there you go. You're welcome. Case, in case you needed to waste more time on the internet, you can Google magic eye and you could try to find that. But Thanks, Harley. That's going to mess everybody up for the rest of the night. But um, we treat the scripture like that. We treat the scripture like, okay, we're, if I just kind of stare into it, then I'll try to see some kind of hidden mystical meaning, and, and, and it won't be something that I actually have to do something with. I can just kind of stare at it, and it'll, it'll be something that I'll see. And we try to manipulate the scriptures so that we can see what we want to see out of it. You can take that thing down, Harley. It's going to drive people nuts tonight if staring at it. Yeah, I'm sure you did. <laughs> right? We, 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 stare at the, we stare at the scripture, and the scripture plainly says things about our relationships, says, plainly says things about our finances, plainly says things just about our life, and we try to tilt it and manipulate it and change it. We're like, well, there's some kind of 3D Jesus in there who's going to be totally cool with the way that I'm living my life. 
And James says, no, it's, 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 a, it's a mirror. Uh, James uses this analogy of a mirror, and, and I, I did. I brought one up here. And the purpose of the mirror, right, is, is to accurately reflect what you look like. Now, this, that's, this, that's actually not totally true about this mirror because this is like a, a skinny mirror. We, we put this in the, in the bride room um, at the church in the chapel where, where the, before the women get married. Um, and, and this is in the bride room for them to look at. But because it's like shorter, the, the mirror makes you look skinnier. So is that rude? I just, I just listened to myself say that. Um, <laughs> Anyway, but that's legit. That's where it came out of. So if you get married here, please don't take that personal. We're just, we love you. We're all about it. Um, so the reason that we put a mirror in there is so that you can see yourself and so that you can actually do something, potentially, with what you see, right? So some of you, I can tell, you really looked at the mirror before you came here. Some of you did not, Connor. And it's, it's obvious, right? And, the, and what James is saying is that the word of God is, is a mirror. And when you peer into it, it shows you what's up. The word of God is a mirror. It's not an optical illusion. And the measure of Christian maturity is when you see something in the mirror of God's word that you actually do something with it, right? Now, you know what it is to spend time in front of the mirror. Some of you, like, you like to flex in front of the mirror, right? Like, don't lie. I'm on Instagram. I know how it works, right? (laughs) But the primary purpose of the word of God, according to James, this is what James is saying. And this is, again, this is a very simple concept for us tonight. Doesn't need a ton of explanation. Is that the word of God is to reveal who you really are in light of who God is. Because the world, the world is kind of like a funhouse mirror. Right, so you ever been to like carnival or you know something like that? Like the the funhouse mirrors, they 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 throw back a distorted reflection, and what the world does is that when you hold yourself up to the funhouse mirror of the world, it throws back to you a distorted reflection of who you are. That's either based on your current circumstances, or it's based on the cultural opinion, or it's based on a worldly value of who you are or who you should be. But what James is saying, look, the word of God will show you who you really are in light of who God really is, which means that you can live out of the identity that you have in the gospel and not out of the insecurity of idols. It means that you can live as someone who is loved and accepted by God and you don't have to go from relationship to relationship to try to find your value and your meaning and acceptance in that. It means that you can live as someone who already has everything that they need in Christ Jesus, and you don't need to find fulfillment and satisfaction and purpose and happiness and all the dead ends and all the black holes that the world props up as as the places that you need to find that reflection in. And when you see in the mirror of God's word who you really are and who it really is, it clears up your perception of who you are, which enables your obedience. Your obedience will flow out of your understanding of your true identity in Christ Jesus. Because when you see God as holy, you can strive to be holy because we become what we behold. What you stare at is what you become. What you peer into is what you will become. 
And if you fill your mind with a steady diet of garbage and perversions of what God has created, you become a slave to the very thing that will ultimately destroy you. So we want to hear from the word of God. James says that clearly. But we don't want to stop there because application is our aim. James says, look, it's it's, it's like you looking at yourself in the mirror. but, But simply, if I just walk up to the mirror and I just look at that mirror, it will not make me healthy. Right, so I'm kind of at the age where I complain now about like being in shape. Right, drives my wife crazy because she goes to the gym like literally every day, and she's always like, "Hey, why don't you come to the gym and do like a combat class or extreme?" Or they all have like crazy titles that I don't want any part of anyway. And it's a bunch of like middle-aged women that would all like be way more in shape than me. So I was like, I don't need that. So. But what drives her nuts is I'll just, I'll walk up to the mirror and I was like, man, I really got to like, I got to get back on it. I got to start kind of working out. But I don't do anything about it, right? So it's extremely frustrating. So me just kind of walking up to the mirror and be like, I don't like that, right? It's not going to make me healthy. Me walking up to the mirror and doing this, I did not just get in shape, right? And sometimes that's what we think. We're like, okay, well spiritually, I'll just suck up my gut. Spiritually, I'll just, try to, I'll just try to puff myself up. And we trick ourselves into thinking, well, now I'm healthy. But I, but I haven't done anything to get healthy. I've just tried to take the mirror and I've tried to manipulate the image in the mirror through my own, through my own deception. We all, we all do this. I mean, some of you, that's why, that's why you come here on a Tuesday night. Because this is your version of like sucking in your gut. Because you'll come here, you'll sit under the word, we're going to sing some songs in a little bit, and then that's it. And the word of God does not really get applied or lived out in your life. We believe that the Bible can transform lives. Christians die for this book. We believe it changes cities. We believe it changes nations. But more than, but it's more than just the book itself. It's the application by the power of the Holy Spirit in the people of God. That's where the transformation comes in our world. It is not enough. It is not enough just for us as a generation to just be sitting under teaching or to read the next book, or listen to the next podcast, or go to the next conference, or do whatever kind of spiritually obese thing you're going to do, and not by the power of the Holy Spirit, live out this word in your life, especially in the broken places. Because I am convinced if that's all we are, and we're just down here, and we're like, God, we opened the word tonight, we looked at the word, God, we sang songs, he's up there and he's like... People in your class, people at your work, people in your apartment complex have no idea who I am. So that's great. You took notes tonight. You highlighted your Bible. That's great. Thank you for the songs. I love those songs. Appreciate it. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do after you stare in the mirror? When I do go to the gym... I ain't going to lie, I don't go to the gym. But I have been to the gym before. And um, what used to always, what I always thought was like just so weird, were all the mirrors everywhere. But I, I have like worked out before. And I know like what the mirrors are there are actually there for. They're not there just for you to stare at yourself. 
but they are there for you to be able to see what you're doing in a particular exercise so you don't hurt yourself and so that you develop correctly. So if you're doing free weights, whatever, in the mirror, right, okay, you can see how your form is, so you can see, like, okay, I'm doing things in a healthy way, I'm doing things in a correct way. And the Word of God for us is like that mirror when it comes to the things that we're supposed to be doing. So, for instance, community, right? Community, huge buzzword among Christians, right? So we'd love to talk about community, right? Oh, I go there because I've got a community. Are you in a community? I'm looking for community. All this kind of talk, right? And what the mirror of God's word lets us do is it lets us assess, okay, is our community in step with the word of God? Are we actually doing community right? Because the biblical definition of community, listen up, means I am free to love and to serve others at expense to myself, the funhouse mirror of community, the way that we so often distort community is we say, I found a bunch of people and we can all use our freedoms together for ourselves. Not to serve each other, not to love each other, not to build each other up, not to stare into the mirror and say, this needs work. We need to get healthy here. No, it's like, well, we're together as a community. We have freedom. Thank you, God, for freedom. I'm now going to use that freedom to do whatever I want. When the scripture says, if you hold it up to the light, it says, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. The reason that you have freedom is so that you can freely love others at expense to yourself. Because who else did that? Jesus. So if you want to be, if you want to hold your community up to the mirror of God's word, Ask yourself, does our community, do we look like Jesus? It, when, we, when we talk about mission, when we talk about what we're supposed to be doing in the world, the, the message of what it is to be a follower of Jesus, right? Are, are, we, are we doing it right? Do we have the right message? What are we known for? Are we known for grace? Are we known for judgment? Are we, are we known more for what we're against or than, than we're known for who we're for? Do we love people the way that we've been loved or do we judge people who are different than us? who think differently than us. Hold, hold the mission, the purpose of your life up to the word of God. Justice, how do, I, how, do I love, how do I love others? Especially, how do I love the poor, the outcast, the marginalized? Am I even aware that they're out there? Take, take the, are you gonna be okay? <laughs> take, the, take, the, take the justice of, of, your, of your life. How does that work? Like, do I, do I love them? Hold it up to the mirror of, of God's word. Most of us, when we, when, we think of, when we think about our life as a Christian, we think in this way. We think, okay, I'll receive all the information. And if I just get enough information, transformation is just going to happen to me. If I just listen enough. The reason that transformation is not showing up in my life is because I haven't heard the right sermon or because I haven't, you know, if you were a better preacher, I would be transformed by now. That might be true, actually, Right? Or if I read the right book, or if I went through the right book, book study, or if my RC leader was n more on it, right? Or if, RC, if our RC went through a different book, whatever. If I just had more information, there'd be transformation. But, it's, but it is, it's application that, that brings transformation. Because James says you receive the word, then comes ap application, then comes transformation by the power of the Holy Spirit. The mirror provides the context to see what must be changed. I need the mirror because I have to see what has to be changed. And if you see blemishes, 
if you see places that are unhealthy, it's not until you do something about it that change takes place. So if you think, okay, well, I'm attending a thing or I'm going to a Bible study or whatever, like that's not enough to bring change. Just like me simply looking at a mirror is not going to change the way that I look. I have to actually do something. I have to act on it. Because James says, look, you are deceiving yourselves because you're living like a hypocrite and hypocrite, and everybody already knows it. You just haven't come to grips with it. James says, look, everybody else can clearly see that you're a fake. You just don't know it. It's like American Idol. Remember American Idol, right? So, which I guess is back, or maybe it's not back. I don't know. But American Idol, right? Like, total case in point. You ever watch, like, the audition part, like, the early part of American Idol, and ever think, like, how come nobody told that dude? Like, how come no one told it? Like, uh, William Hung, does that mean anything to anybody, right? She bang, she bang, da 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 da, right? Like, I'm so glad that they let him go on because we get to watch that kind of stuff. But, but seriously, like, how come no one ever told that dude, like, this is not, this is not good. Don't do, don't do this. Don't find, do something else, man, right? Because you're going to look foolish. And that's a lot of us. Like, we think, like, we're pulling it off, right? But the world can tell you are lying to yourself. And, and Christians are, for whatever reason, not as keen on this. Because we'll look at like our faker poser friend and we'll just let him slide. But let me tell you something. The world is totally watching for Christians who are deceiving themselves. And it gives them one more reason on why they shouldn't. Why should, why should I be like you? There's a guy, his name's Tom Schrader, and he's a founding pastor of the church here that you're sitting in right now. And uh, Tom, when Tom came to faith, Tom struggled as an alcoholic for a long time and came to faith, God saved him radically. But one night he was out and he was drinking at the same bar that he used to go to all the time. And um, he had, he's, he's new to faith. Jesus had, had just, just saved him. And he had been drinking. He's drunk. He's next to the guys that he's been with. And he starts to tell this guy about how Jesus changed his life. And he starts to tell him about how great Jesus is and how great it is to be a follower of Jesus and being a Christian and all this stuff and new life and all this kind of stuff. And he's going on and on and on. And the guy who was sitting next to him looked at him. He's like, you know what? You still look like the same drunk to me. Tom's like, that just wrecked me. Just absolutely for me. Because the guy is right. The guy's totally right. My, um, I, t- I told you I'm starting to get to this kind of age where, you know, I'm, I'm now I'm thinking about I need to be in better shape. My, my dad, I just remember growing up, always hearing my dad talk like that, right? And he, my dad is a huge sucker for stuff that's on infomercials. And uh, in fact, there came a point where he was not allowed to watch TV like after 9 p.m. because he would buy whatever would come on. And uh, yeah, like this is like early 90s, like late 80s infomercial too. So they're just, they weren't even good. I mean, it wasn't even like, that's not going to work. But he had this thing called the ab lounge, which you got to think like you cannot lounge and get abs, right? (laughs) 
So he had this thing called the Ab Lounge. And so he bought this thing, and he was all, like, dedicated. He's like, I'm getting abs, right? Um, but I just remember, like, for years, the Ab Lounge was in the corner of their bedroom, and it had, like, a bunch of clothes hanging on it. And I was like, Dad, how's that Ab Lounge going? And he just, <laughs> but, but that's a lot of times what happens to us, right? Like, we have the Word of God. We, we say, okay, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. But it's a piece of exercise equipment with clothes hanging all over it. Because the word doesn't work unless you work it. If, if, you, if you look in the mirror, you see your gut, and you say, man, I need to do something about that, and you don't put the Ben and Jerry's down, you are deceiving yourself. What James says is take the word, meditate on it, apply it, do what it says. It's not about how much you know. It's what you do about what you know. So I want, I, want to, I want to challenge you with something. We're, we're just about done here. Because you guys, you can access teaching anywhere. You can access good teaching online, podcasts, whatever, right? But I don't think, honestly, I don't really think we value it. Because what you can attain too cheaply, you esteem too lightly. It's too easy to get. We, we have too much, so we value God's word too little, right? We hear it so much that our desire to apply fades, but I want to challenge you with something. When you sit under the teaching of the scriptures, challenge yourself to find one thing in each message that you want to apply to your life. When you listen to a message, when you read the scriptures, which I hopefully, hopefully you do on your own, challenge yourself. Like, write it down. Like, okay, I want to find one thing this week from the scriptures that I've learned, and I want to apply it to my life. I want to actually, I want to see it happen. When you come to something like 710 or church or if you go to church, whatever, like be an active listener. Look for the one thing that you're going to take away and that you're going to apply. A lot of times there's preachers and that's exactly what they'll do at the end and say, okay, here's the so what. Here's what you do with it. They'll actually give you something to do. Because James says if you hear and you don't do, you're wasting. He says, look, if you hear and you don't do it, it's not just that you're wasting your time, which would be bad enough, Right? If we all sit in here and uh, I preach or we open the word of God or whatever and everyone's like, eh, okay, that's a waste of time. That's bad enough. But he's saying, look, you actually deceive yourself. You are compounding your disobedience because it's one thing when you don't do because you don't know. It's a whole other ball game when you know and you don't do. And I think it's because we don't have application, we have inoculation. Now, here, here's what I mean by that. When you're inoculated with something, like right now, um, I don't know if I should tell you this, but I have yellow fever, like a little bit of yellow fever, because I'm getting ready to go to Africa, so I had to get some yellow fever in me. I'll feel all right. Thanks for asking, right? So when you get inoculated, you get just enough of a disease so you don't get it like full-blown and like full-on. And I feel that's what happens to us with the Word of God. Like, we have just enough so that we know it. We have just enough to say, I'm saved. We have just enough to say, I'm a Christian. But we're just inoculated with it. It hasn't full-blown taken over our lives. Now, I, I feel like i got to say this, and i got to be very clear about this. Because this is why James gets tore up all the time. We are made righteous by the blood of Christ. He is our salvation. Our standing before him is not based on our good deeds that we would boast. That is the, that is the true gospel. 
Jesus' preaching is filled with the overwhelming, amazing wonder of God's sovereign grace reaching down to sinful men in the gospel. We see that all through the gospels. We see that all through the letters of Paul. But equally prominent in the gospels and in the teaching of Jesus is his summoning or calling us to radical obedience. It's an obedience that's necessary, a human response to God's grace. So there's two factors. You cannot say, and James is going to get into this later. You cannot have one with the other. It just doesn't exist according to the scriptures. The gracious initiative of God and the grateful response of man are part and parcel of the gospel. The scripture says that we are blessed by our doing. James says you're blessed in your doing, not simply in your knowing. Hebrews tells us that the word is living and active. And so James would say, why aren't you? The word is living and active. Why aren't you living and active? The glance in the mirror is not what changes you. It's what you do with what you see that makes you who God wants you to be. So James begs us, don't deceive yourself. You might be inoculated. You think, I just got a little bit of the word, I'm good, but you're still living in disobedience. James says, you're you're deceiving yourself. So here's the encouragement from the scripture tonight. And this is encouragement to me and from me. See yourself as God sees you. Because when he sees you, he sees tremendous potential for his kingdom because of his ability to work powerfully in and through you. It doesn't even have to do like with your ability to do something, but it does have to do with your desire to do what he's called you to do. I mean, Paul talks about that. He's like, the, the, the work that he's powerfully working in and through me. That's how God sees you. So I'm asking God to make us a community that's committed to not just gorge on this book and not do anything with it, but to love and to serve and to be a reflection of the kingdom renewal and kingdom re- restoration of all things, making all things right. So let's pray and ask God to make us a people who don't just talk about it, but actually do something with what we've heard. Let's pray. God, we love you. God, thank you, um, God, just for the gracious, gracious prodding and encouragement from the scriptures tonight. Thank you for the way that James, um, God, helps us and reminds us of what it is to be a true follower, not just someone who is a a follower in word, um, but God, just a, a follower in deed as well, too. And so... Um, God, I pray this in my own life. I pray that this would show up in my own life. God, I pray that this would show up in our community. God, I pray that we would be constantly reminded of how good you are and what you have done on our behalf. And God, that would be the motivation for our obedience. God, we know that we could never earn your favor or earn your acceptance or earn your approval, but because you have so graciously given us those things, God, would our response to you be joyful obedience to the way that you call us to live life everlasting. We love you, and God, now we take this moment to lift our voices to you. It's in your name we pray, amen.